You're listening to the Grow Your Own Food Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow fresh fruit, vegetables, and even grains in your own backyard. In every episode, you'll get growing tips, recipe inspiration, and more. Ready to get growing? Then let's jump in. Hey friends, and welcome to episode 72 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Smith, and today we are talking all about saving seeds and all the little secrets that aren't really secrets, they're just maybe information that you haven't stumbled upon yet, so I don't want to sound super mysterious about it. They're just things that I have learned over time that can increase your success when it comes to saving seeds. So, That's what we're talking about today, but first, a word from our sponsor. So saving seeds is a great way to cut costs when it comes to growing your own food and gardening in general, honestly. Even if you're not growing your own food, you can save seeds from flowers and and save yourself some money that way. But saving vegetable seeds, you know, if you are growing your own food, can be a little bit trickier than saving flower seeds. And if you're not sure how to save vegetable seeds for next season, or you've tried it and you feel like maybe you could use a few tips, that is what this episode is all about. So these are my tips for seed saving. Number one, only heirloom seeds are worth saving. Not all seeds are created equal or Maybe I should say not all seeds are created the same way. When it comes to seed saving, you want to make sure you're only saving seeds from heirloom varieties. I go into the details about the differences between heirloom and hybrid plants in a previous episode, but essentially hybrid seeds are from plants that have been cross-pollinated. Now this isn't the same as GMO seeds. GMO seeds have like scientists in a laboratory that are kind of tinkering with the DNA and the RNA of, of the plant. That's not the case with hybrid seeds. Hybrid seeds can be created naturally via cross-pollination. Heirloom seeds on the other hand, are plants that aren't open pollinated or they were pollinated by themselves, their own variety. So when you save a seed from an heirloom plant, it is going to grow or, you know, otherwise known as breed true to type. A hybrid seed, because it was sort of a forced cross-pollination, the plant that you get from that hybrid seed could be sort of like the mother plant, it could be sort of like the pollinator plant. You won't really know until it grows up into a plant um, and and you kind of see what it resembles. Some hybrid seeds are better than others when it comes to presenting close to what you had originally planted, but over time and over successive or subsequent generations of saving seed and planting over and over and over again, you're going to start to lose those initial qualities that you really, really liked in that hybrid plant. So to avoid unpleasant surprises or, you know, wasting space in your garden, and I'm going to talk about that here in a sec, aim only to save heirloom seeds and plant next year's hybrids from this year's unused seeds or buy new seeds altogether if you've run out. 
other seeds that shouldn't be saved, uh, and I've talked about this a little bit in previous episodes, are squash seeds. So if you grew more than one type of squash this season, whether it was summer squash or winter squash, doesn't really matter, and they were planted in the same garden, there's a very high chance that they cross-pollinated because all squash are open-pollinated. They, they kind of will take pollen from, like, whatever squash plant is around. Um, that's part of the reason why they are just so prodigious in terms of how much they produce. It's because they're open pollinated. They're not as picky about where their pollen comes from. That's why you end up with a ton of squash. So if you didn't know that was the reason why, now you do. But the problem is the seeds from a cross-pollinated squash will not breed true, kind of like a hybrid plant. But more than that, it can actually grow into fruit that results in, like, bitter, inedible, you know, frankenfruit kind of. And you can even in very, very rare, very rare, I want to put that out there, but documented cases, you can even end up with toxic squash syndrome, which yes, like I've said in previous episodes, is a thing. Um, I've made this mistake myself. I have saved early on in my gardening life, saved seeds from a spaghetti squash plant, and it grew into something that I was like, oh my gosh, what the heck is that? It looked like a mix between a spaghetti squash and a zucchini. It was completely inedible. It was bitter. It just smelled wrong when you opened it up. So I kind of knew not to eat it and not to eat anything from that plant. And that was definitely a lesson learned. So best not to save hybrid fruit seeds and then best not to save squash seeds at all. Just because what you get when you plant them is likely not going to be what you expect or what you want. Tip number two for saving seeds. Let the donor fruit, the fruit that you are taking the seeds from, fully ripen on the vine or plant. So one of the most important things to understand when it comes to how to save vegetable seeds for the next season is that the seeds need time to fully develop. If you don't let the plant fully ripen, chances are the seeds actually won't be viable at all. Think about it like if a fruit or vegetable was in the wild, it would get so ripe that it would fall off the plant and into the dirt before breaking down to release its seeds, right? So you should let it do something similar in your garden. I have a really great photo um, in the sister post for this episode, which as always you can find the link to in the show notes, of a cucumber that I picked before it reached its maximum ripeness. And you can see that it has these sort of immature watery seeds. They're not, you know, solid. They're not opaque. You can almost kind of like see through them. Those seeds are not going to germinate when dried and and sown next year. They're just not because they haven't developed, you know, what they need to in terms of the DNA and stuff like that inside the seed and, and all sorts of other little parts in there that are very, very critical to, you know, the seed being able to germinate and grow into a plant. They haven't developed yet. So absolutely want to let that fruit ripen on the vine for as long as possible. So this is 
is perfect for cucumbers that grow to the size of a baseball bat that escaped, you know, your your watchful eye while you were harvesting. It always, always, always happens, right? They like to hide under the leaves. And you end up with these enormous cucumbers that start turning like orange or yellow. And they kind of start to get that like bitter, strong flavor. And they're not good for eating. Those are perfect for saving seeds from. If you're saving pepper seeds, you should let the peppers fully ripen to their mature color, which is usually red, but you know, sometimes with bell peppers, you have bell peppers that ripen to orange or they ripen to yellow. It really is just going to depend on the variety. But in general, seeds from green peppers, whether they're cayenne peppers, bell peppers, any sort of pepper really, banana peppers, If it's green, if the pepper is green, the seeds are often going to be immature and will not germinate. If you only grew one type of squash, so cross-pollination is not something that you're concerned about, and you want to save the seed, you totally can. Just make sure that the rind has fully changed color and it's hardened to the point that it can't be punctured with a fingernail. So kind of that same guide of when it's ready to be harvested, you wanna make sure that the rind has hardened to that point and then you know it's fully mature and the seeds inside are going to be mature as well. Whatever it is, pick it out. Like if you if you see something that is really you know healthy looking and we're gonna talk about that here in a sec or it's just like a really great specimen, um, and you want to save this, the seeds from it, identify it ahead of time and just let it ripen on the plant until it's ready to fall off or it actually does fall off. There's absolutely nothing wrong with picking it out of the vegetable bed and harvesting the seeds from it. I do that all the time. Number three, let flowers and pods fully brown and dry out. So similar to tip number two, You want any plant that produces seeds to fully wilt, brown, and dry out so that you know those seeds have had time to mature, which ensures that they will be viable next year. So this goes for something especially like leafy greens, so things like spinach, arugula, um, but then also some root vegetables like beets, radishes, onions and carrots, those would fall into this category too. I would say most people do not end up taking seed from things like beets and onions and carrots because they are biennial. It takes two years to get seed from them. They spend the first year bulking up, you know, the the tuber, the root, the underground part bulks up. And then it's not until the second year that they flower and produce seed. So most people don't want to dedicate space in their garden to that. And if you want to, that's fine. Just know that you're not going to get seeds from them until year number two. And if you do, you want to make sure that however those seeds produce themselves, whether it's a leafy green or from a root vegetable, that you let the flower, the stalk, the pod, whatever, completely dry out. This is also going to be true for things like beans. It's best for, you know, black beans, green beans, for you to let them fully, fully develop, get nice and full, the seeds inside nice and big, and then let the pods completely dry out on the plant. If you're worried about critters getting to them, you know, feel free to cover them with netting or a breathable bag that's, you know, that's woven or made of paper so that if the seeds do get wet, they can they can dry out and they won't rot um, or sprout. 
Tip number four, and we talked about this in a previous episode, some seeds should be fermented before drying. If you didn't listen to that episode, I'm going to cover that really quick here. Seeds from tomatoes, squash, remember only if you grew one type of squash and you're not worried about cross-pollination, but also cucumbers, they have that slippery, slimy, filmy coating on them. And those are seeds that should absolutely be fermented. If not, that slimy stuff can dry into sort of this hard crust that makes germination a little more difficult. So in the wild, this doesn't really this isn't really a problem because as the fruit drops from the plant the insides of it kind of just naturally ferment and rot away. So that slippery, slimy stuff, because of the the natural fermentation and, and rot, ends up kind of just getting eaten off of there by the fermentation process. So definitely going to enhance or increase your chance of successful germination. Plus, it means less stringy goop you have to deal with later. During the fermentation process, the stringy stuff sort of, like like I said, gets kind of eaten away and falls away and dissolves. One tip that I will definitely give you, though, for saving seeds from tomatoes. Oh, my gosh. This, ah, I found this out. I learned this last year, and it blew my mind when I first saw it. I was like, oh, my gosh. Why have I not been doing this all along? So tomato seeds, you're going to ferment them anyway, right? You're going to squeeze them, or you're going to toss them into a bowl of water. Why not just squeeze the fruit right into the water? No, like, especially like little cherry tomatoes. You don't even have to cut it. You can just crush the cherry tomato in between your fingers. The seeds kind of pop out and they float to the bottom of the glass and you can like take the rest of the fruit, I don't know, eat it, toss it in the compost, whatever it is that you're wanting to do. But the same thing could be said of regular tomatoes too. It saves so much time and mess. You don't have to get a knife or a cutting board or anything like that. Just get yourself a small bowl of water and smoosh the tomato innards into it and save yourself a little time and mess. Tip number five, and I kind of hinted at this a little bit ago, but saving seeds from a perfect specimen is recommended. Sorry to all the ugly fruit out there. Ugly fruit is still perfectly delicious and edible. You should absolutely eat it. Don't feel like you need to toss it. There's nothing wrong with it just because it's malformed. But when it comes to saving vegetable seeds for next season, it's a good idea to pass on the genes of just the strongest plants that gave the best fruit, the biggest fruit, the least blemished, the um, least susceptible to disease and pests. You know, this is how we get really strong disease and pest resistant you know, fruit, honestly, is by saving these seeds from the strongest plants every year. It doesn't 100% guarantee success next year, but it makes success that much more likely. And, you know, along those lines, don't save seeds from diseased or blemished fruit or vegetables. It can be really, really tempting because, you know, could they have some viable seeds in there? Yes, absolutely. But if you have a tomato that started to rot or, you know, any other fruit that started to rot for some reason, 
there is a chance that those seeds are going to end up having something wrong with them. Either that or they're going to be weakened and they're going to be much more susceptible to disease when they grow up into a plant. And do you really want to hang all of next year's hopes on a compromised piece of produce? No, absolutely not. So if it wasn't so great at resisting disease or infestation, its offspring probably isn't going to be either. So you're not going to want to save the seeds from that. Seed saving tip number six. Seeds need to be stored in a place that is cool and dry. As far as temperature goes, like seeds can handle a pretty big range. Most seeds are fine if they're exposed to freezing temperatures, honestly. There are even some seeds that it's good for them to get some chill hours, what's called, um, or some stratification is another word for it, in, in a freezer. For some seeds, that's actually recommended. So most seeds, you know, if, especially because in nature they would be exposed to freezing temperatures, are not going to be harmed by it, but they will be harmed by really high heat. So anything around 100 degrees, 110 degrees Fahrenheit, or higher is going to kill the seed or modify it in some way, harm it in some way. So you want to make sure that you stay well below that 100, 110 degrees Fahrenheit mark. Because of this, you should never put your seeds saved for replanting in a dehydrator or oven to encourage them to dry. Always, always, always dry them at room temperature. I spread them on parchment paper. It's just less sticky than paper towels. They pop up off that parchment paper really well, really easily, and allow them to dry out naturally. This can take a few days or sometimes even more. So, you know, make sure you're setting them out in a space you're okay with giving up for a little while. You know, don't put them smack in the middle of your kitchen counter where it's going to be taking up space while you're trying to cook dinner and things like that. A trick that I use to make sure my seeds stay dry once they're in storage is to put little desiccant packets in with them. So desiccant packets are often shipped with things like shoes, clothing, electronics, things that you really, really don't want to get damp in transit. Um, they're those little white packets that say like, do not eat desiccant. It's got like these little capsules in there that absorb any environmental moisture. Um, and they'll do the same thing for your seeds. So it's honestly really helpful. In my seed storage container, I throw like anytime I get a pair of shoes or clothes or something like that that's shipped to me and it comes with a little desiccant packet, I save that desiccant packet and I throw it in my seed container. Last thing related to seed storage conditions. A lot of people ask this, does my seed storage container need to be airtight? And the answer is no. Seeds can definitely be stored in airtight containers like baby food or canning jars. I know a lot of people who do that and their seeds survive just fine. But I know just as many people, including myself, who keep seeds in their original seed packets or um, if I'm saving seeds, you know, obviously I don't have a seed packet anymore. I buy these paper envelopes, these like coin envelopes that I get off Amazon to save my seeds in. As long as the seeds are 100% dry when they go into the container you're using and the jar or envelopes, whatever you're using, remain in a cool, dry place after the seeds go in it, honestly, you can use whatever container makes your heart happy. So those are all my tips for seed saving. If you have any questions, I would encourage you to reach out to me on Instagram, 
I'm on Instagram more often. It's easier to reach me on there. Um, or you can always give a shout out and leave a comment in the sister post for this episode if you have any questions. And in the next episode, I am going to be talking about something that's kind of related to what we talked about today, and that is deciding whether or not to plant something again. So like, let's say you planted seed this year, you grew something from seed, or you saved seed, and you're really you know what, you're not sure if you want to dedicate space in your garden to it next year. I have a whole list of questions, a whole bunch of things that you can kind of consider to help you decide whether or not to grow something again. And then if you decide not to, I have an idea on what to do if you have leftover seed and you don't want it to go to waste. Because we don't like to waste seeds, right? We don't really like to waste anything. So that's a good thing. But That is it for today. Thank you so, so very much for listening. And I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.